Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Black Pounds Live podcast. I am here today, your boy CJ Webley. I am here with the one and only Mr. Cordell. They call you CJ, don't they? They call you CJ Jeffers. What do they call you? They call me Cordell Jeffers, but they do call me CJ. So the fact that two CJs are on the same thing right now, yeah, this is this is greatness in the making, isn't it? Yeah, come on. We, we, we're trying to do our... Well, we're not, not even trying. We're doing our thing. Um, and we're trying to motivate. We're trying to encourage. And that's what this, this podcast is all about. So without further ado, I want to ask Cordell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background. I know you're doing amazing things. I know you, in the last, um, in the last, you know, event we were both on, you you said you are entrepreneur. You're an entrepreneur. You're a keynote speaker. What what goes into that kind of work? You tell us about yourself. All right, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I'll give you the brief um, background, and then if you want to dive in, ask any questions, and just you know, let me know. Stop me when you feel so. Yeah, my name's Cordell Jeffers. I'm an entrepreneur, motivational speaker, and a mindset coach. I'm from Birmingham, England, and I'm 28 years old. Well, 29. You know, I'm trying to hold on to the last <laughs> before I turn 30. So yeah, so you know, my background started off in you know, education was quite turbulent for me. You know, growing mm-hmm. up in a single parent background. You know, mum done everything she could. You know, with whatever she had to try support me and my little brother. My dad wasn't around due to some situations. He was actually mm-hmm. in America in the time. Mm-hmm. Um, once I got into education, education was quite turbulent for me. You know, teachers didn't really believe in me, you know, I became mm. quite frustrated. I was dyslexic, so I was always behind my peers when it came to, you know, education in terms of English, math, science. Did you know that at the time? You, you knew you were dyslexic or was that something diagnosed later on? This was something that was diagnosed later on, so I oh, didn't okay. really know at the time. Mm. Um, and then back then, back in my time, what we're talking about 14, 15 years ago, I don't think mm. they really had the right test or diagnostics to really, you know, Dyslexic wasn't a thing back then, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, like how it yeah. is now. Um, so yeah, I struggled and, you know, I struggled quite a lot with my education. Teachers didn't believe in me, like I said, you know, labelled me a fog, labelled me a ringleader. Um, and it just, I just came frustrated and I started to kind of believe into what the teachers told me. Not that I believed it, but I just mm-hmm. wanted to play against it. All right, you want to call me um, a fog, you want to call me a nuisance? Well, I'm going to play up to that, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, um, that's kind of how it went. You know, around, you know, as you do sometimes with you and your friends, you're just messing around, causing havoc. Yeah. Always getting detentions, always getting into trouble. I think there was one time I was in assembly, and I think it was literally before Christmas, and I remember they said, you know, um, that they put a list in the assembly of who had the most detentions and who was up there holding the trophy. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I had, the mo- I had so many detentions, yeah, that I couldn't complete the hours after school based on all the detentions I had. So what I had to do is most of the time, they had to put me in isolation. Mm. I was in isolation all the time, writing out the rule book over and over again. Mm. So yeah, education wasn't something for me. I do believe education is, you know, it's a one hat fits all. You know, some mm. people really do well and some people find it hard. Me as a creative, someone yeah. that's quite entrepreneurial. Now I know I'm very entrepreneurial. I've got different kinds of skills. Yeah. You know, um, I used to get kicked out of school for talking, you know, yeah. now I get paid. A lot to talk. To talk. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We, we yeah, yeah. Get around. Um, but yeah, man, there, w- there wasn't no real support from my school, my teachers, predominantly, you know, um, white teachers from mm. suburban areas that don't really understand, you know, the struggles that, you know, a young black male has to go through coming from mm. a single, you know, background and stuff like mm. that. So, so I just want to touch on that, that thing about education, like, so when I think about teachers, I think, you know, there are some teachers that, you know, they really, they really do care about the students. And then there's other teachers that, you know, for, even from my personal experience, they just they don't really care. They're just doing it as a job. Would you say you had quite a few teachers that didn't really kind of see it as a, as a profession where it's about nurturing, it's about caring for and identifying some issues and trying to channel that? What, what, what was your experience of like the actual teachers themselves? Some of the teachers, you know, were there and some of the teachers were quite resilient in, you know, trying their best to to work around me or work with me or whatnot. But 
I don't want to say that no teachers care because it is quite a hard environment to be in. You're in a classroom, you know, you've you've got 30 different students, all from different backgrounds, all got different experiences of struggle. Some are going through some serious trauma, Mm. anxieties, depressions. Some people's homes, you know, you're getting children from, you know, homes that are broken. It's Mm. hard. And then on top of that, they've all got different learning styles. And then you've got this one curriculum to try and teach all 30 the same way, obviously it's not going to work. Yeah. So I do believe there's a lot of flaws in the education industry um, or the education system, shall I say. Mm. And they need to be, I do believe they need to, you know, they need to get, they do, they need a new curriculum somehow, mm. some way. Do you know what I mean? I do my best when I go into schools and I work with youngsters because yeah. I bring a different element. You know, I've worked with over 10,000 young people now working in schools up and down the country. And Mm. my whole thing is developing confidence, developing self-esteem, helping young people understand, you know, mental resilience. And not only that, how to reprogram their mind to get what they want out out of life. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So showing them things like entrepreneurship and giving them a different way. Mm. I go in there looking for that young child that may be struggling in the system, but's got that creative flair in them. And it's just about someone that believes in them and showing them the tools to, to you know empower that empower that potential that they have yeah you know what I mean? so i do a lot of work with young people around that um, but again yeah I, I believe the teachers in my they couldn't really handle the classroom itself in general and i do think that's a problem so i don't want to blame the teachers obviously you get some slack ones that just don't care yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but even the ones that do care sometimes do find it hard to manage just because of the situations that they get thrown in yeah it's really ironic, actually, because um, my, my experience was quite similar in terms of the journey um, to get into it's because I'm a writer, um, producer now, I'd say, yeah, writer, producer, di- theatre director. Um, my journey was was quite similar to getting to that point. You know, I was quite energetic in school, but I think maybe the, one of the differences between myself and you was that um, I think I was quite... I just kind of knew, I guess, from an early age, just went to like stuff, or maybe maybe I've got a cute face or whatever it was, but the teachers just never really, you know, yeah, went yeah. that far with with stuff. But I, yeah, I was definitely like energetic or, um, you know, I had those those tendencies to just kind of speak out or whatever. And I remember um, I I was my, my class teacher was doing an assembly I think it was on World War Two or World War One or something like that and I just thought the assembly was dry like the whole school were doing assemblies and every other classes just seemed really fun and like you know I wanted to be in their ones so anyway we we're doing this assembly and uh, you know my teacher was like okay we're done now and then I just said does anyone like Michael Jackson up in here and then I just started dancing and and you know it was nothing to do with the assembly at all and then anyway, I went back to the, you know, I just saw her like shaking her head in the corner, but thought, now I'll be blessed. So I went back to the classroom and she just fully laid into me. Like she, I've never been shouted at like that before in my life, but I felt what was interesting about that situation was she didn't, she didn't phone home. She didn't tell my parents. And I thought that was weird because usually if I do anything, you know, like that, she would, she would phone my parents, but she didn't phone my parents. And then like I think it was a week or two later there was a school show and it was it was uh Oliver Twist and basically she put me in like a comedy role um and it was like you know not the main role but it was it was a role where I could kind of just have a bit more freedom and flexibility to because she could see that I had energy and I just didn't really know what to do with it so I think from your you know that's why I asked about the teachers because I think sometimes you know te- you know teachers spend more time with with people's children than their parents do. Do you know what I mean? Hundred percent, and it's it's a big task to take on. Um, I just think the training of the teachers needs to be needs to get looked at. Mm. Um, the curriculum needs to get revamped to help you, other younger people that have got a different way of learning as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't necessarily book smart, but I had a lot of potentially other ways. And I wouldn't even say that I was. Bo- it's not even about not being book smart. Like, listen, mm-hmm. if I wanted to put my mind to anything, I'll achieve it. Just mm-hmm. like what I've achieved in my in my, in my adult life now. Yeah. Um, but I think what it is is I wasn't my, my values. The way they taught didn't really wasn't congruent with my highest values. It wasn't mm-hmm. congruent with me as a person. If they maybe have taught me in a different way and it was a different style. I probably would have absorbed the information a lot differently yeah. um, but you know I've learned now obviously you know I've, I've, the way I read I've learned my learning style myself yeah. I've had to do that myself and um, 
you know, that's that's helped me get around. So so when you go into schools now, is it kind of like because you you're aware of your own experience and what it was like for you, are you kind of looking for that young Cordell to kind of take on the wing and say, look, there is another way, or is it just more generic, like you're just trying to implement stuff into the into the school? You know, yeah, it's, it's, a bit of, it's a bit of both, really. I try to go there and have such an impact that, you know, the teachers think differently about the way mm -hmm. they teach their, their young children. And I do I have many teachers. I've done staff training for over 800 teachers, do you know wow. what I mean, as well. Yeah. Um, and that's somebody that's been kicked out of school with not one single qualification, mm -hmm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So to be able to go into a room and teach staff members, senior staff, like senior leadership, obviously... You know, I'm doing something right. So when my thing is about adding value, and it's all, it is also looking for that young Cordell as well. Do you know what I mean? Because obviously that's going to touch my heart. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And that young man that may be a bit outspoken, that may be a bit, you know, not I wouldn't say lost or anything, but just you know trying to find his way. Do you know yeah. what I mean? That youngster that you know he might just if you tell him something, he gets upset and just you know rebels. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I do try to find that youngster and work with them as much as I can and develop them and it, and, it, and it all starts in the mind and it's, it's about really affirming positive things into their mind it's about yeah, yeah. You know, helping them program their subconscious mind because that's the thing you know it's it's kind of like we, we get told from zero to you know seven years old you know we learn from our environment we actually don't mm -hmm. have a conscious mind so a lot of the things that we learn from our environment our parenting and stuff like that we take and 95 percent of our adult life is actually programmed from the first seven years so mm -hmm. it's it's quite incredible how it works. And, you know, when you get into school, the teachers are saying, you know, you know, stop daydreaming and these kind of things. But these things are firm into you. So yeah. when you're older and you're trying to dream about something, you just think to yourself, stop daydreaming, that's unrealistic. Mm. But it's because of the programming that we've had. So we have to be careful the way we develop our young, you know, our young kings and queens, man, for absolutely. real. Absolutely. That's amazing. You know, it, just, just listen to you speak, it's kind of like, it, there's there's things in my mind that I'm thinking, but but sometimes it's it's nice to know that it's affirmed by someone else as well, and I think that that's what you do really well. Um, I just want to fast forward a little bit then, because I know I know it's difficult to articulate your whole journey without kind of going into it uh, bit by bit. So you didn't, so you, you so you mentioned you uh, didn't do too well at school. Um, well, you you got kicked out of school essentially. So what what happened after that point? <laughs> Well, getting kicked out of school, right, and coming from the Caribbean, my mum, Caribbean background, mm. obviously, that don't work, do you know what I mean? So, <laughs> my mum wasn't happy, man, and obviously, coming from a Caribbean background, I have to say, you know, I don't want nobody mm. to get offended, but, you know, you get a bit of a beating, and that was good back then, it was okay, do you know yeah. what I mean? A little bit of beating and just having that little bit of authority in the household, especially when your dad are not around and stuff like yeah. that. You know, your mum needs to have that presence, or else you would take the mick, do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, you know, I was thinking one, when I got kicked out, I was thinking, oh my gosh, what I'm going to do, because I remember the teacher gave me the letter. I was thinking to myself, what? So what, what happened then? So, did they have a meeting with you to say... They had a meeting with me on the day, and it was just like, basically, you know, um, I actually, I came off the, an exclusion, so I was coming off an exclusion, and I okay. came to school, um, and then literally, like, in the afternoon, you know, they've called me into the office, and I was just like, um, you know, we can't really manage you anymore, like, mm -hmm. in a sense, do you know what I mean? Uh, we can't manage you, you've got in way too much trouble, X, Y, and Z, um, and... They felt like they gave me my chances or whatnot. And yeah, they just said, like, they keep me out of school. But bearing in mind, you know, nowadays you can't even get kicked out of school. No, you know, no. You'll get a management or something like that. They'll send you to a crew and then you'll get back into the system. Mm. But I, I, I do feel hard done by because I, I felt hard done by because I wasn't that bad. You know what I'm trying to say? I used to see other kids and that dashing chairs at teachers and whatnot, bro, and they're getting yeah. the, oh, come on, do you, know, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, it's all right, let's go. That. Like, I never got that, man. So I felt hard done by at that point. Um, and, you know, the, so when they said, okay, they, they're going to give me a letter, they're going to phone my mom, let her know, and then we'll come back in for a meeting. I was just thinking, oh, no, man. My mom's well, it's, cra it's crazy because it's crazy because it's almost like, even though it was, a, was an experience that wasn't, you know that wasn't ideal i feel like you going through that has motivated you to to exceed do you know what i mean exceed expectations you know challenge perceptions and i think if you weren't the way you were 
you know, back then, it would ultimately not allow you to be who you've become now. A hundred percent, man. And I say this to people all the time, man. Like, you know, you are stronger than your adversities, man. So, mm. you know, all these adversities that you, people go through, all these challenges, man, you know, anyone that's successful in life, any of my mentors, and I've got some great mentors, do you mm. know what I mean? And they've all gone through challenges and, you know, you see where you're in the midst of devastation, that's the opportunity to transform your life. That's the opportunity for transformation. Do you get what yeah. I mean? And it's important that you hold on to them, even though at the time you don't really think you're going to make it through this time or you can't make yeah. it out. I'm telling you, you'll find more value in your challenges than in anything else. Mm -hmm. Do you get what I mean? And yeah. this is where growth starts. Growth starts when challenges arise because you have to put yourself in an uncomfortable position. Mm -hmm. And when you're in an uncomfortable position, you, you grow all different ways because my human human nature we don't like we don't like to be in uncomfortable positions but when we get in there the only thing we try to do first is survive do you get what i'm saying and 99.9 percent .9 of the time you've survived every hard situation do you yeah. get what i'm saying that's why you're here today so there's value in, there's a lot of value in, in challenges and a lot of values a lot of a lot of challenges that really hit you down at yeah. rock bottom you know you'll look back at them and realize I would not be that person. I wouldn't be the person I am today if it wasn't for that time. Yeah. So definitely, man. But yeah, when I got kicked out of school, um, I've, got, I've got the letter, I've gone home. And I'm thinking to myself, why? What am I going to tell my mom? <laughs> like, what am I going to tell my mom? man, this is going to be crazy. So, you know, I've gone, I've gone inside. I've gone inside the house. Never forget, man. I unlock the door, gone, gone inside. You know, I'm just, I'm just like looking everywhere, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm thinking, yo, my mom's gonna come out with that belt or slipper and just, you get me. In case she got that phone call, I'm thinking she's gonna beat me yeah. on site. You get me? Yeah. Um, my mom was upstairs, so I got upstairs, got inside the room, and my mom's just sitting on the bed, man. I never forget the day, and she's gone, you know, in a in a, in a, in a calm tone, like, mm -hmm. you're right, Cordell. Um, you know, have you got anything to tell me? You're right. I'm just gone. I'm trying to see where her head's at. I'm just like, nah, you know, mum, everything's good, you know. It's a nice day. Sun's shining today, isn't it, mum? Mm. But you've been doing the washing and stuff. She's like, no, no, no. Hold on. You have anything to tell me? I'm thinking, right, okay. Mm. She knows. But at the same time, this is weird because she's calm. <laughs> you get me? There's no belt. I don't see nothing inside. You get me? And she goes, I said, mum, I said, oh, but I got kicked out of school, mum. Mum, I'm sorry. I am sorry. And you know, um, she just had this calm response. She said, don't worry about it. I was thinking, this woman, what is going on? This is actually scary. This is more scary than her, <laughs> like, lifting up the slipper or anything. <laughs> and she goes, I've got something better for you, actually. And I said, what's that, mom? She goes, I'm going to send you to the Caribbean to live with your grandparents. And yo, when she told me that, I was like, yeah, what's that? What are you I'm hearing right about the Caribbean. She's like, you go into the Caribbean. I said, Mom, you're crazy. I ain't going. I never said you're crazy, but I was like, Mom, yeah. I, I, I ain't going. Do you know what I mean? She was like, No, I've, I've sorted everything out now. I've been sorting on the phone to schools, this, that, the other. I was like, Yo, you, you move quick. Oh. <laughs> you just found out what, like, an hour ago. What do you mean? Because you know I, mean? I was, I, I did take long to get in the house because you know you're trying to, yeah. you're trying to taste the music, you know, there once. Yeah. So I'm thinking, and she goes, I think it will be a great opportunity for you. And yeah. I was like, Rah. After my mom told me that, I was devastated because I'm thinking, I don't want to leave. I don't want to, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm like 14 years old. You know, yeah. I've got, I've got, you know, my, I've got my missus here, my girlfriend, who I'm still with today, you know. Right, really? 13, 14, 15, nearly years later. Oh. Uh, my fiance. And, uh, oh, congrats, man. Yeah, yeah. So obviously at that time, it was just, you know, you got your little puppy love, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've got my friends around me, so I didn't want to leave, man. And um, even though it was hard, you know, I had to go because obviously, you know, my mum was leaving. She took me and my brother out there. And yeah, I was, you know, I went to the Caribbean, man. And when you think of the Caribbean, you think of all pretty things, right? You think mm -hmm. about the tropical trees, the sunny beaches, the, the golden sand. But for me, it wasn't like that, man. I was put in an uncomfortable environment. And, you know, I had to learn, I had to learn how to operate with not a lot of resources because over there, there's a lot of poverty. Mm -hmm. But seeing people in poverty still strive for, you know, any opportunity to go get their hands on just shifting my mindset. Why do you think that why why do you think that is though? That I know that sound, might sound like a silly question, but what why is it? Because I hear that quite a lot, you know. Um even when I went went to Jamaica, I 
I did identify that a lot of them are like, they just really want it bad. Like they want success bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What is it? Yeah. Well, what it is, they don't have options on it. And that's what the problem is. Well, mm. not the problem, but that's what they're, that's what's actually quite powerful for them is that they don't have many options. Over here in the UK, you've got so many options. Mm. You can do a B-Tech, you can do this, you can, you know, qualify for apprenticeship. If you don't make it out of uni, you've got this. Uh, it's all, it's, we've got too many options over there. There is limited options. So mm. they make best with what they have and they go all in. There's yeah. none of this, you know, messing around, farming the food. They go in. Do you get what I mean? And that's the resilient, even they're going to make it or the diet. It's mm. simple as that. Even they're making it to help their family or, you know, they even got a hustle to put food on the table or they yeah. don't eat. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And that, that's what, that's, that's the reality of it. When you put your back against the wall is sometimes when, you know, you can make the impossible possible. But yeah. most of the time we, you know, many people start a business or to start something and they think, well, if that don't, if it don't work, I'll just go back to this. And then that's, Already, you're defeating your chances of success. Mm. You know what I mean? It's an all-in mindset, and that's what you have to do. That's why most people that you see that are entrepreneurs or you know making millions in the world, they, they come from immigrant backgrounds. Do you know what I mean? Traveling yeah. from different parts of Europe to America to England, and they made success because they never had no other option. Yeah. It was either they win or they die for mm. what they believe in. Simple as. Do you get yeah. what I mean? We'll go on. We'll go into the that that mindset stuff in a minute because I think that's that's so key when we start thinking about the the entrepreneurial stuff. Um, continue. Um, yeah, yeah. But I just I did want to just say quickly, man. Like the first day of school was um, was crazy, man. Because the first day I've, I've gone to the cap. So I'm in the Caribbean now, yeah. Um, I'm with I'm I'm living at my nan's. You know, I've gone to my first day of school, and I never forget the teacher called me out of the classroom, man, and he goes, he went, English boy. <laughs> Don't come in at the school with your unruly behavior. I'm like, bro, bearing in mind, this man's like his hench. He looks like an army general. You get what I'm saying? My man's like 6'6. Six, six. You get me? I'm thinking, right, wow. bro, the teachers are wang around here. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and then he goes, you know, and he goes, second up, second as well. Make sure you put your shirt inside your trousers and look like somebody's picnic when you walk around the school. I'm like, why did strict? You get saying I'm coming from England, you know, where teachers talk like that. Say, no, don't talk yeah. to me. I'm coming from that that environment to this strict environment. You know, go, go back inside the classroom, just barge in, go to sit down. Teacher tells me get up and go outside. So what? Because when you come in any classroom, you knock that door and you say, "May I enter and and address the classroom and say good afternoon." I'm like, whoa, wow. this is a whole different dimension. Like this is. This is crazy. Did you know any? Did you did you know any of the like pupils at that point, or were you? And, just, now at this point, I knew one or two because um, you know, it was a small village where my dad was from, and when yeah. I used to go there on holiday before, I you know I had one or two people that I knew, so mm. that was okay. And um, a couple of my cousins and stuff like that went to the school, mm. um, and then on the break, on break, I must have had, I had my shirt outside my trousers again because it was hot. You get me? Like <laughs> imagine it's ninety five. It's like the, the Fahrenheit's crazy. The sun's clapping the back of my neck, Bridget. Like, it's hot, you get me? So he sees me again, and he goes, he goes, English boy. He goes, remember what I told you, you know? Put your shirt inside your trousers. I'm like, Ross, I'll put my shirt inside my trousers. I do my tie back up, you get me? Yo, go back to class. Now the, the, the bell rings. I'm outside the school gates now, waiting for the... Um, Wait for the school bus. And you know what it's like over here in the UK? When the school bell goes and you're outside them gates, yeah. no teacher can't tell you nothing. You get mm. me? It's my time now. I've done school. It's after school now, isn't it? Um, so I'm chilling. I put This time I put my hat on and all of that. Some little commotion happened. And then the teacher was coming. He was walking to the commotion. So the same head teacher was walking to the, um, to the commotion that was happening. So I'm thinking, yeah, it's nothing like it's coming. It's cool. I wasn't even thinking nothing of it. Oh, I see something in this man's hand. You get me? I see something in his hand. What do you think it was? I don't know. What was it? As this brother got closer to me, he had a cane wow. in his hand. And I'm thinking, rah. I'm thinking that must be a walking stick or something. Like, what, mm. that must be, you know what I'm saying? What is he got yeah, yeah. in his hand for? When I say my man came to me, bro, he grabbed me. And he just, when I say he gave me a walk, English boy, get me 
gave me the beating, bro. And I was just like, man. wow, this is crazy, man. I remember I was trying to, I was trying to hide my hide my tears and that. And man. one of the little youths behind me said, English boy, man, who are you man? Who are you <laughs> Like, it was it was crazy, man. But um, different, you know, culture, like, yeah. different culture. I don't know if they. I don't know if they can still do that now. I'm not sure. Now, I don't. I think it's changed since then. It's changed. I don't think they can do that now. But back then, and don't get me wrong, the discipline was strict. But people mm. done very well. And I'm not going to lie, that discipline was good for me. It was good. Mm. It changed my mindset. Seeing people with no not a lot of resources make the most of their opportunities. It was mm. great. And, um, you know, I left there after a year and a half. My mum decided to stay. So I came back to the UK. I had to leave my mum and my little brother out there. You know, that was, a, that was a hard time, you know, leaving my mum in the airport, you know, yeah. just crying and stuff like that. But I needed to make that decision. I came back to live with my auntie um, in Mitchell's. Again, you know... I just want to re- rewind a second. So, because I think it's a really interesting point about that, that really domineering male, you know, presence in the school. Um, you know, aside from all the, the, the caning business, but, you know, do you think there's... Just thinking about your own school experience then, do you think, like, was there a lack of male role models in, in the school, particularly a black male role model as well? No, 100%, man, 100%. Mm. In school over here in the UK, you know, one, the teachers can't connect with you. You know mm. what I mean? Like, it's hard going into it. And I, and I feel it for the, like, the teachers, but it's hard for, you know, a you know, person from, you know, out of this, out of the, in the country, in the sticks that travel into the school to try to teach inner city kids. Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to say, the, the, the kids are not going to respect that, do you know what I mean? Because you don't, we know just by you, the way you look and the, the way you move that you're not made like us, do you know what I'm saying? And sometimes, you know, inner city kids will take advantage of that as well, do you know what I'm saying? But also the frustrations of not really understanding as well, just, you know what I mean? It's about, it, that, that, it's about, it's about the teacher actually identifying that though, isn't it? Because if they came with a degree of transparency and said, look, I know I'm not like you, I know I'm not from here, I'm from there, but I've chosen to work here because I believe that I want to, you know, support you guys to, to, to reach your potential. You know, I feel like if they came with that energy, it that, might have a different, different response. And, and you would find that there's many, many teachers, you mm. know, that are probably watching this right now or, you know, that are out there in their chosen field right now that do that, do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they do well. We, you know, we've all got that teacher that, you know, might not be, not look nothing like us that we're yeah. like, you know what, he was, he was sick. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, we all yeah. got that one teacher. Um, but yeah, the training, the training method needs to change 100%. Yeah. Um, definitely, man. But again, you know, being in the Caribbean, I learned a lot about my history. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Which is here in the same way, is it? It was different. We never learned about, like, you know, it wasn't about just Dr. King and, you know, all Marcus Garvey. Like, don't get me wrong, amazing, yeah. great people, influential, put them on the highest pedestal possible. Mm-hmm. But we learned about the inventors of, mm-hmm. of, of history. We learned about the Moors, how they traveled through, you know, um, Africa and Europe and civilized Europe. Oh. You know what I mean? We learned about the inventors that created science and stuff like that from ancient Egypt. Mm. People, you know, we learned before slavery. Do you wow. get what I'm saying? Yeah. All we get taught about our history is the struggle. But before the struggle, we was victorious. Do you yeah. get what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's the mindset I want to put back into these kids. Don't don't think you come from no slavery. Don't let no one tell you it's all about chains and it's all about you know fighting for our rights. Yo, you have a different kind of power. The ancestors, you're talking about the richest man to ever come on the planet was, um, don't let me get the name right. It was it Mans- Manso Mensa or it's, Yeah, it's, I know who you're talking about. That's it. And he's, right, one, yeah. he's one of the richest people to ever, you know, walk mm. along. Even in this time now, not even Elon Musk or anything could have accumulated the wealth he had. Mm. So we got to talk more about that. When you talk yeah. about inventors, when we look at the traffic light, Mm. Well, that was a black man that made the traffic light. Yeah, yeah. That made it, you know what I mean? When you talk about science and philosophy and, um, you know, mathematics, they came from ancient Egypt. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, so when we when I was learning all that, I felt way more empowered, man. Yeah. So when I was coming back to the UK, my mindset was a bit different. I still faced a lot of struggles because I was living in a tough area with Nietzsche. Mm-hmm. And at this point, it's like, how do I apply everything I've learned from the Caribbean around people that now don't really share the same values as me. Yeah. You get what I mean? That was a, that was hard as well. So I was, for the, for the first year or two, being in Nietzsche's in that environment after coming back from the Caribbean. So don't forget, I'm living with my auntie, you know. You know, mm. my mom's not around, my dad's not around, so it was mm. difficult for me. Um, I had to really 
I was trying to fit in. Yeah. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So you're trying to you were trying to fit in almost with the the group or the people that you you used to fit in with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I used to fit in with them, but then yeah. I changed, and then I was thinking, yeah. oh, I don't want to have no friends, so I was trying to refit in. Do you yeah. get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and then what I had to do is, uh, you know, I started to read. I started to do a lot of personal development. Um, I started to read things like Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah. Think grow Rich, and you know, a lot of these amazing books. Yeah. Um, and then what I'd done from there was, you know, I started my first business, which was buying hair straighteners, mm. uh, which was crazy because I ain't got no hair. But That's very random, though. It's very, you know what it was? There was a, you remember, like, you remember the, you remember the Ogbu, um, friends? Yes, yes. And remember the, the, there was also GHD hair straighteners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I took, like, I, I used to see my cousin and I always spend mm. Enough money on these things. I was like, yo, I'm gonna see if I can find these for a bit cheaper and resell them straight. Because I read Rich Dad Poor Dad at 16, so I had all these entrepreneurial ideas. So I'd done that and I'd done well. And I used to knock on every single door, yeah, hairdressers, barbers, trying to push my products when I brought them in bulk. And the way I got that money was by saving my ear. Maybe we used to get 30 pounds for going to college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. What I'm saying? I used to get that as well. Yeah, yeah, you're showing your age now. You're showing your age. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I used to knock all the doors, man. And, um, you know, one lady gave me an opportunity and she brought some products off me. She loved them. And she kept buying them in bulk um, every single month, man. So it was great. And I was making some good money back then. Mm. And unfortunately, you know, living in a hard area where people don't understand. Mm. Like, I don't know if I got set up or what happened, but, you know, I had a gang of youth come to me and try and rob me and stuff like that. So mm. that was quite difficult. You know, having mass men yeah. outside of your house, you know what I mean? Trying to kick your door in, it scared me, it scared my heart. Wow. And in that point, I had to really think, you know what? I need to get out of my area because mm. obviously what I'm trying to do just doesn't fit within this environment. So that's 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 a really interesting point because, you know, I a lot of people speak to me about, you know, when they think about celebrities and, and successful people that may have grown up in a certain area or you know, let, let's put, for example, I'll, I'll take it to an American context. Let's say, you know, Jay-Z, let's say he grew up in, the, in, in um, what they call the ends and he now no longer dwells there. But people will say, well, why is he not dwelling with the people that in their minds got him to where he got to? Do you know what I mean? So, but but does it, is it a point where you have to remove yourself from, from a certain environment not to say that that Nietzsche's is a is a bad place to live, but is it does it get to a point where you have to recognize that maybe the people in your proximity are, are not understanding your mindset, so therefore there might be like envy or jealousy or, or well, what, 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 what what ends up happening is just by nature, if you're on your own journey and you're on your journey for success or you want to achieve more, you just end and you want to achieve more than what you what you know or what you used mm -hmm. to. What it tends to happen is you outgrow your environment. Mm. You know what I mean? And um, you know, when you start to raise your vibrations, when you start to raise your subconscious mind and your programming of your mind, and you're just thinking, you know, 80 times, a hundred thousand times bigger than you know you used to think, mm. just naturally the conversations are different. So when you're talking in a conversation, and you're just thinking, yo, I don't want to chat about that guy. I don't want to chat about that girl. Mm -hmm. I don't want to know about what's on TV. I don't care about, you know, the latest rap video that just come out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so these things stop aligning to your values. Yeah. You end up creating new values. And it's just, in order to get that, you have to get a bigger circle. Do you get what I'm saying? So, so, it's, so it's less about the actual, it's less about the actual um, environment, but more about the, the people that are, around there and the things that they talk about and the things that are of interest and because yeah, yeah naturally that's what will happen yeah. and also obviously like i came from i don't you know i would never ever disrespect none of my brethren because mm. at the end of the day you know they've done what they had to do to survive well that's the way we fought mm. we have to survive by you know doing certain things but you know i my, i wasn't aligned to that that wasn't what i wanted to do do you mm. know what i'm saying and um, I had to, when that happened, when I got, you know, people come to my house and, you know, try to rob me, mm. I had a message and the message was, um, you know, you're not born to fit in, man. You're born to stand out. Mm. Yeah. You know you're not born to fit in, you're born to stand out. And then when I got that message, I thought to myself, okay, you know what? I need to separate to elevate. That's just, 
how I need what I needed to do. And yeah. you know, even though education wasn't my first forte in terms of you know writing assignments and stuff like that, I worked as hard as I could to get to university. Mm. You know, I retook all my GCSEs that I got kicked out of school and didn't achieve. Mm. Um, you know, I worked hard on getting you know distinctions in my courses, and I put all the entrepreneurship, all the entrepreneur projects down on the, on the side because I was just like, if I keep doing this, I'm just going to keep creating attention to myself. Um, so then, and that's just unfortunate, but that, mm-hmm. that's just how it, that's how it happened. And then um, I went to university and I went to Manchester just to get out of my area. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, university wasn't something I wanted to do, but I done it to get out of my environment. Um, and I, I, I love going there because I, one, I learned independence. Two, I met um, some amazing people. You know, me and my, me, I went there with my, my fiance, mm. um, and you know, we had a blast, and it was good. Don't get me wrong. Again, I said education wasn't something I wanted to do. I always wanted to just get deep dive into entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, and two years into a course, I decided that I didn't want to do it no more. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's still, it's still, you, you're still learning, though. You're still, you, because you're, you're always telling me about books and and whatever it is that you've read. So it's, you always, you always want to learn, don't you? Hundred percent. You mean more the formal? You mean more the formal education route? Yeah, the more the formal education, I wasn't really. You know, for for the, for university anyway. You know, it wasn't something that I wanted to really do, but I went because again, I needed to yeah. get out of the area. Yeah. Um, so after two years there, you know, I stopped uni, um, and then yeah, I just I started I dove in. I, you know, I went into entrepreneurship. And me, me and my partner, we started a clothing line um, called yeah. Mongol Sports, which is a sportswear brand. Um, and yeah, from that, that just you know took took its pace. Yeah. You know, and then set up a you know a social enterprise called We Shine Together. Um, again, we worked in schools, worked with over ten thousand young people now, developing their mindset and their you know raising their self belief. Um, you know, we've also done international work where we've worked in Zimbabwe, Nepal, India. We've sponsored kids into education, gave them education wow. for five years. We built a library. You know, we just about right now we're just building a virtual classroom in Jamaica so we can you know still get that education for mm-hmm. extracurriculum across in some schools. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we've done some amazing work there. And uh, you know, and uh, after having certain successes, I wanted to share my story on a wider scale. And that's when I decided I was going to become a motivational speaker and a coach. And you know, now I've spoken in front of I can't even tell you how many thousands of people. <laughs> you know, one of my biggest talks was doing not long ago, the Les Brown speaker summit where he yeah. introduced me as one of his top speakers. That on YouTube, that one. Yeah, that one was on yeah. YouTube. You know, yeah. Spoke in front of 30,000 people live, which was amazing. Um, been interviewed by Lionel Richie, spoke for people like Prince Charles. Um, you know, I'm an ambassador for so, the Prince's Trust as well. So I know a lot of people will be listening to this and thinking, wow, man, you know, Cordell just, he just said he spoke in front of 30,000 people, you know. Um, you speak meeting all these that you just just mentioned Prince Charles was it that you spoke at private events so speaking at private events like how do you how do you control the nerves or do you get nervous or what how do you manage that um you know what it is after developing my mindset so resilient Mm. you know we've been through some tough situations in life and it so it's kind of like again like I said before you know you you more you, you become tough at it to certain things and it so when you're in certain environments I've been in where you know it's a matter between life or death some mm. of the times you kind of build this resilience so when you feel fear you do it anyway you know mm. and so I don't get me wrong I always get nervous like yeah. you don't matter how big or how little the stage is mm. I'm always gonna get that little tingle feel do you know what mm. I mean but then I know how to change my state do you mm. know what I mean and I use that kind of nervousness to make me just go and do it. It's like an adrenaline to me now. Do you mm. know what I mean? So whether I'm speaking in, in front of a one person or 30,000 people, it's just being able to use that feeling of anxiety and you, not anxiety, that you, that, that pressure in a sense. Well, you kind yeah. of get that anxiety feeling because your heart's beating, thinking, yo, I've got to go on stage, I've got to speak, what about if I mess up, what about mm. if I do this? But it's about using it and packaging it up to make you really pop out. And you can do that in life, not just, you know, speaking in front of people. So you mentioned you mentioned in that um, the one with Les Brown. Uh, you, you you did an acronym for for fear. Um, what what? Just break that down for us then, because I can't I can't remember yeah. exactly what it was. So fear. The way I break down fear is when mm. you think about it. F E A R. That's how you spell fear, right? Mm. Yeah. F stands for false. 
Um, e stands for evidence, A stands for appearing, and R stands for real. So fear, false evidence appearing to be real. You know, fear is a perception. You yeah. know what I mean? How could I, how, like, for instance, you could be scared of spiders. I'm not scared of spiders. It's mm. just a perception. You know what I mean? We just, we, we, we instill fear into what's based off the way we've programmed ourselves. Yeah. But fear is an illusion. It's not real. And what we do is we take a lot of society's programming and, you know, all of these thoughts and ideas from society and other people. And then we kind of just believe it. And it's not, it's not a real thing. Yeah. And it's, I like that analogy because, you know, when, if I think about the spiders for, for a second, like I'm, I, I don't like spiders. Like, I, I, you know, I, I'm not into them at all. Um, but it's, it's, it's also conceptual, isn't it? And it's also about your environment. So if I'm in an environment, where I don't see spiders very often it's that that fear element's going to creep in because it's not something I'm used to so the more I I'm a like if I move to you know Australia and I'm around spiders all the time I'd have to get acclimatized to that I'd have to become I'd have to overcome that exactly but think about it bro like why are you even scared why are you scared of spiders like what what makes you scared of something that cannot harm you like it's a little certain there in the room or big or whatever it is you get scared <laughs> but what happens is over the years even probably when you was growing up you used to probably see people run from spiders ah, there's a spider. so automatically these things are getting stored into your subconscious and you just automatically scared listen i don't like spiders and, mm. and i never used to care about spiders mm. until i live with my fiance who is petrified of them mm. i'm now shook of spiders <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? And it's like, you kind of take on, this is what I'm saying. Yeah. So again, it just, it shows the importance of the environment that you're yeah. in. You know what I mean? If you're around negative people or you're around people that, you know, constantly, you know, downplaying their life and just saying, yeah, you can't really do that. That's impossible. That's unrealistic. Mm. You're automatically going to take on their, their beliefs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's not about that. So you have to you have to find the right the right group and it mm -hmm. you know, find the right tribe to be around. That's so true. So do you, would you say now part of your because we have we we've I think our first conversation was what a month ago maybe I don't I don't remember but would you say now it's all about connecting with the right people like is that one of your main goals at the moment to would you think about networking? Uh, that's going to be my main goal in life, man. Do you know what mm. I mean? Because um, your net worth is your, your your network is your net worth. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, if you surround yourself around five millionaires, you'll be the sixth one. It's just how it works. Do you know mm. what I mean? Um, it's all about learning and developing and learning from other people as well. Do you mm. know what I mean? Find yourself a mentor because you could do whatever you're trying to set out to do. If, if you if you find someone that's actually an expert or someone that's provenly gone through the process, then you're going to cut your time down in half. Mm. you know what i'm saying um so i do believe you need to be around the right people i do believe networking is key yeah. i've networked with some amazing people and you know like and i said it in the talk the other day you know my phone book is probably worth a billion wow. to be told that is when i combine all the networks of people you know i've got millionaires i've got people in there that you know worth 400 400 million sorry mm -hmm. do you know what i mean um and these are people that i've networked with you know coming into events or rooms and you have to just develop that confidence to put yourself out there so would, would that's that's a really key point would you say then because i know like a lot of people that come to us through the project they say oh you know i'm not i'm not confident i don't really know how to do this and that. do you think there's kind of no excuse for that like there have to be do you, or I don't want to say there's no excuse because again, it's 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 how we've grown up in it. Like a lot of people are shy, a lot of people are more introverted. So I don't want to say it's there's an excuse, but if you want to get more networks and you want to be around better people, you have to open your mouth. There's no other way. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So regardless if you're shy, you need to you need to first of all just work on visualize yourself talking to people in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's 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 hacks and 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 ways. That you can reprogram your mind to mm. feel and believe whatever you want to believe and that's what i was able to do i'm mm. now a mindset coach and i teach people how to do that do you get yeah. what i mean but there's a way that you can develop you know a kind of belief in yourself to achieve whatever you want yeah you know I mean? before i was a public speaker and you know speaking in front of thousands of people or hundreds of people on stage some you know before the lockdown 
I had to visualize that. I used to sit in my bed with music on here of crowd noises, clapping and, and cheering. I used to listen, I used to type it in on YouTube, crowd noises. And I used to sit there and I used to visualize myself on stage. And when I used to hear the cheering, I used to just picture myself, me just delivering a, a presentation and everyone on their feet. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I used to do that every single day, every single day. So wow. when it happens, it don't even feel like this. I feel like I've, I've done this a thousand times. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then they, these are the things where you kind of develop your mind. You got to understand the way your mind is. It doesn't know the difference between what you tell it and what is actually real. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So you can develop your mind differently, write your goals out every single day. I used yeah. to write out, I will be a motivational speaker inspiring thousands around the planet. I used to write that out 10 times every single morning before I even brush my teeth. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? That was the consistency mm. and the, the resilience that I had because of the, the, the books that I used to read and the people I used to watch on YouTube. I developed, I brainwashed myself into personal development. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? And yeah. that's that's why my mind thinks the way it is. And that's why now I have partnerships. You know, we've I've got a partnership with one of the most successful women in, in, in Britain. Do you know what I mean? Someone who's sold her company on the London Stock Exchange and all sorts. Mm-hmm. And people think, well, how have you done that? You come from Nietzsche's yeah. Park Road, you got kicked out of school, you know qualifications. Mm-hmm. There's one way I've done it, I reprogrammed my mind. Okay. And that's it. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So everything's so, possible, man. So there's 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 people then that will say, um, I think you've you've touched on it really, because it's that fear element, but I was gonna say there's there's people that would you say then that everyone could be an entrepreneur? Yeah, I do. I generally do believe everybody can be an entrepreneur. Um, I think, you know, we we develop it. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm. If you if you want to be, if it's, so don't do it because it's the cool thing, or do it because you generally feel like you've got a service, you've got a product, you've got a message that can change the world. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, Whatever you do, just make sure it can impact people. Um, and I, I do believe, you know, you, no one's born an entrepreneur. I believe, you know, you, you learn it as you grow in life. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Some people are put in situations where they ain't got no other choice but to 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 uh, sell to but, sell but, people. So that's what that's what we were. I mean, before we came onto the call, we were just talking about, you know, what it, you know some of that, some of our, the things we have to do day to day, and you know. The, the late nights the early mornings you know <laughs> that that's the sort of stuff I think I'd be interested to hear from you about because because I think sometimes you know you watch YouTube videos they say hard work hard work but what what does that actually constitute in your from your perspective what does it look like hard work hard work for me means even when you're down even when you're feeling like rubbish do you know what I mean? Even me as a mindset coach, like I'm not, I ain't, I ain't always in in the right in the right mind frame. The, the yeah. right, yeah, my mind's always there, hundred yeah. um, percent. You got to understand the law of polarity and the law of vibration. These are universal laws. Energy doesn't just stay at one one wave. It goes up and it goes down. So there's times when it goes down. Obviously, I know how to switch my mind and switch my state to get my energy back up. But you know, I ain't always got it you know, completely right. And nobody ever will. We're human. We're not robotic. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? So hard work for me is when you're feeling down and you're still showing up. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's about showing up every single day without yeah. fail. Do you get what I mean? If you've got, a, if whatever your business is, you have to show up for your customers. Don't forget, you, you, you're providing something that's going to change somebody's life or impact somebody. And you have to sh- show up every day, and that's how you become an authority. That's how you anchor yourself in your market. Yeah. You know what I mean, and position yourself as a as a, as an authority. So, hard work is you know going all in. Yeah, you know, not having a plan B sometimes. You know, yeah. just going in on your plan A and being resilient. Like we're gonna make this work. Mm. Simple. We're gonna burn this shit, and we're going on the battlefield, and we're gonna win the war, or yeah. we're gonna die right here for what we believe in. And it. It's yeah. just that's the kind of mindset that I have that I want other people to kind of adopt as well. Mm. So how do you how do you negotiate that time then? Because I know that even from from my experience now, it's like there's a lot of people that want to meet with me, but I'm not sure what you know whether that is a necessary meeting. So how do you kind of navigate that time to know, okay, 
if I meet with this person, that's let's say 30, 40 minutes, I could be doing something that's actually going to benefit me or my business. Like, how do you? Well, what you've got to do, right? You've got to, um, I generally believe you've got to understand what your highest values are as a person and your business. So you got to make sure your business is congruent with your highest values. Do you know mm. what I'm saying? There's no point running a gym, a gym or a fitness club if you don't even do it yourself and that's not nothing you've ever done. <laughs> don't just do it because, you know, it's locked down and everybody's yeah, going to yeah. want to go back out into the gym because mm. you're just, you might make some quick money really early, but then it's just going to fail. And that's why 95% of businesses do fail is two reasons. They haven't, the, the business model isn't actually what is aligned to their values. And number two, their, the, the individual who started a business mindset and, and the best, do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's why I reckon most businesses fail. Um, but the way, what I would do is, you got to see, is this meeting that I'm about to take or this time I'm about to give, is this really benefiting my business? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When I mean benefiting, is this high priority? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And majority of the time, if it's not, it don't make any sense. Is this going to get me sales or clients or mm-hmm. help my customer have experience, you know, the service better or whatever it is, you know, make sure you're doing your high priority tasks and delegate everything else. Get somebody else to do the meetings if you can. Or most times, most of the meetings could just be a, a quick email. People just love yeah. chat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? People love chat and love to pretend that they're busy. Mm-hmm. Being busy isn't cool. It's yeah. not cool. Being busy isn't cool. Do you get what I'm saying? So it's... it's doing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, do your highest... There's a thing called eat the frog, man. So when you wake up, you know, do your hardest task first. Do you know what I mean? Don't just be saying yes to everybody because yeah. you're going to be... You're gonna get your your time's gonna get taken away from what you mm. concentrated on. Yeah, well, that's a that's a really good. I guess the the next question following on from that is, what would you say the top three things are, or the the top three benefits of of being a self employed entrepreneur, and then the three things that aren't benefits. So, or or three things that aren't you know as glamorous. So you got the three benefits. You know what's good about it, and then three things that aren't. Um, three benefits is you know you can create something that you can change your family's lives and your lives for the better um, mm. it's something where you can create generational wealth and leave a legacy Do you mm. get what I mean? think about all the top brands Louis Vuitton um, Ed Hardy Ralph Lauren these yeah. are all people's names you know, mm. you know what I'm these are people's names and they're, they're probably past years and years and a long time ago but mm. their, their legacy still lives on so building a legacy is number one do you know mm. what I mean having yeah. your own print. Another thing is impacting people's lives as well. Whatever your service, whatever your product is, it's going to help impact lives. Like this podcast, you know, hopefully it's going to impact many lives. Mm. You know, your Black Crown project is going to help many, many lives. So again, mm. you know, that's another benefit because there's no fulfillment other than helping people. Mm. you get what I mean? Um, so that's number two. Um, number three is... Just living life on your own terms, really. I think yeah. that's always good. Do you know what I mean? Um, and living within your highest values as well. Yeah. If you can match your business to your highest values. Like, listen, listen, like, I have young people all the time say, yo, my mom said that I watch too much Netflix and, you know what I mean, I need to go do this or read a book and da 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 And I'm saying, okay, you like Netflix, yeah? They're like, yeah, I like Netflix. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's, so you like films? Yeah, I love films. All right, cool. Let's sit down now then and let's write down, you know, films on the top of the page, right? And they're like, well, why are we going to do that? I'm saying, just do it. They write down film. I'm saying, so you like films, yeah? Yeah, I love films. Okay, so now I know film is a is a, is a, a highest value of this young person that I'm working with. Now I'm saying, okay, write down 10, as many ways as possible that you can monetize this. Do you get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So then we come up with ideas like, you know, a film magazine, a podcast about films, mm-hmm. maybe a film club, a subscription. Do you know what I mean? Uh, maybe they want to get into filmmaking, acting, whatever it is. Mm. You know what I mean? So we have to be careful that we don't take society's values of what is deemed to be successful. Yeah. You know what I mean? We need to find out what our highest values are and then attach that to our business and then we're going to flourish. Because when something's so passionate to you, when you go through the hard times, you're going to to push through. And Mm. I, I dedicated my life to impacting others. Mm. You know what I mean? And I love it every single day. It don't even feel like work. You know what I mean? I was gonna say just on just on that as well. Before we move on to the like the cons, because um, we 
Black Panther Project is a is a community interest company, and I know like we get we get emails from community lots of different community interest companies that are just looking for funding. Like they're always looking for grants, they're looking for funding and stuff. I think there's a misconception that you can kind of run a CIC on thin air. Do you know what I mean? Because people are so passionate about the cause, you know, whether it be a knife crime project, whether it be about youth empowerment or, or whatever, you know, there's a there's a misconception that they're just going to be able to tap into grant funding. So I know you you spoke to me about this at length as well, just thinking about some different ideas for, for monetizing. You know, what what suggestions might you have for some CIC companies that are setting up? You know, how can they monetize that instead of kind of just doing it out of goodwill and not really get getting anything? You know, what if you have any thoughts on that? Well, the way the way it is is I with CICs, I generally believe like I understand that many people are passionate, but mm. we have to be realistic. Funding isn't gonna it's not a sustainable business model. Yeah. Um fun, the way the funding game works, there's a lot of politics in it anyway. Mm. Um so I'm not really a person that don't get me wrong, if you if I can go for a part of funding, then cool. Mm-hmm. But how can you apply for something and don't even know if you're gonna get it? How can you run a mm. business like that? Um, you have to find ways you can monetize your business. You need to sit down and do the work. How can you make money from your business? Is that merch? Is that putting merchandise on your website? Is that setting up a subscription club? Is that, you know, going out, knocking every single door, calling every single business for corporate yeah. sponsorship? Mm. You know what I'm saying? There's ways that you can monetize and bring money into your fo- into your organization other than just, you know, training no, the national lawyer to give you the heads up. You yeah. Know I mean? yeah, 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 yeah. And that's that's... But these are the sorts of kind, and that's what the podcast is here for. It's to kind of try and educate people because, you know, instead of kind of emailing us, you can kind of listen to the podcast and get some value there as well. But I'm just, that that does concern me quite a lot because I know people are really passionate about these these issues. But I think there are some people that may not need to be the person heading that organization. You know, if there's one already doing something similar and you're passionate about that work, you could maybe go and you know, support them voluntary or or see what roles are available and then set up a limited company on the side, you know. Yeah, and then, yeah, actually, you know, that's what Listen, I... a CIC, I think people get it wrong. Like, CIC isn't a charity. Mm. It's not a charity. Like, people need to understand it's it's a, it's a, it's a profitable business model. Yeah. Like, you're meant to make money from a yeah. CIC. Like, all the CIC is that the mission of the CIC is that you have a social mission. Yeah. So, if that means you, you sell coffees or you, you yeah. set up a breakfast bar, but, you know, the people that you employ have just come out of prison and you're helping them get into yeah. employment, that's still a CIC, but they're still making money at the front end of the business. Mm. Don't think that you're getting, don't get mixed up with the CIC and the charity model. Charity is a bit different. It's not, yeah. and charity still make bread. Yeah, yeah. Well. You get what I mean? Yeah. They still make a lot of money as well. Um, so don't think that you're coming in this and everything has to be free for everybody. Yeah. You know, so, that's the problem. Well, I would, you know, that that was a misconception that I had as well. Not not to that extent, but I did definitely, um, I guess, uh, I don't know, undervalue the the fact that you know you need to think about how you're going to generate that income. It's all well and good, because but I think one of the issues is with something like mine. It's like there's a tendency for people to to set up something with the with the intentions like ours, but it then they start charging the people they're trying to trying to reach and then it kind of gets skewed so there has to be elements which is which is free and then there has to be the paid elements and you have to be really transparent and clear about what it is that people are going to be required to pay for no 100 100 a cic could be for instance my cic works with schools so yeah. i was delivering impact for the young people but i was charging the schools do you get what i'm saying yeah yeah um so yeah, yeah definitely man um i i don't think that you haven't got a product that's not worth charging. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Wait, so you play the piano? Me, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. yeah. So you just saw that in the background? Yeah, I was like, oh, is that you? Yeah, man, I was, do you know what it is? I was, um, I was, I was doing piano, so, cause I can play, I can play piano. And I, could, I was teaching a few students um, during like the first lockdown and whatever, but I don't know. It's, it's not really like that. That's just something that I can do like on the side if I feel like I need a little bit of 
a bit of extra, you know, a little bit of extra income. But for me, you know, I'd always say like, it's always good to have, if you're a young person, like I learned when I was 15. So I'm been playing what, 12 years now. But like, I always, I always encourage like young, young, young children to get into an instrument because it's therapy it's therapy like for me now like I prefer not to teach it I prefer to just play but it's always good to to have that skill because you can always just set up a you can set up your own tutoring service or business or whatever so it's definitely a viable thing to to try and do when you when you're a bit younger and even even now like when you're a bit older like just learn it's it's never too never man well done man I need to I'm gonna have to come around you're gonna have to <laughs> how to press these keys, man. When you're ready, man. When you're ready. <laughs> but yeah, I'm tight quickly my three cons, and I don't really believe that they're cons because I believe yeah. we learn from every everything that we take. The thing is, it's all about balance and it? it's all about being in perspective. If you mm. if you start something and you get too much into all the negatives, you're just gonna live yourself in a nightmare. Yeah. And if you live with all, you know, hoping that everything's just gonna be completely fantastic, you're in a fantasy. It's all about being in the middle. Uh, which yeah. is balance, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. so the cons for me, which are not necessarily cons, is you know, um, people are gonna start acting different around mm-hmm. you when you start being successful. You know, people that you really thought were gonna support and buy mm-hmm. into your business, probably not, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the people that you think are gonna share your page and really give you the support and not yeah. gonna be the closest people, it's gonna come from strangers. Yeah. Um, that's definitely number one. Um, number two. I think again, you're gonna come. You're gonna come into hard times. You're gonna come mm. into difficult times. It's not a con. It's actually, actually, it's actually a positive to be told. Mm. Actually, yeah. Um, but you're gonna have. You're gonna go through tough times, and you're gonna have to be resilient. If business or entrepreneurship was easy, everybody would be doing it. Everyone would be multi-millionaires. What yeah. everybody is, and a lot of people fail because they don't have the mental resilience to push through. And it's about pushing. It's about pushing through. So, yeah. And um, the third one is probably gonna be. I don't really have no cons. Because <laughs> you really love it so much, you just love it so much, isn't it? It's a, it's a, lot, it's a lot of work. It's a lot yeah, of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, it's not easy, because, mm. again, it's not easy. So it's a lot of late nights. It's a lot of yeah. going to sleep late, waking up early, mm. you know, um, putting yourself in uncomfortable positions. But again, it's all a part of the process, yeah. man. If you love the process, you love every bit of it. You love all the things that you hate yeah. and all the things that, you know, that, are, that come with it, and that just makes the right formula. So it's turning the pros into cons, essentially. It's turning the pros into cons and not... I mean, sorry, cons into pros. Yeah, turning the yeah. cons into pros and yeah. not looking at all the pros and thinking, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's, yeah. it's, about, it's about being able to look at every success and draw the negatives. Yeah. yeah. And it's looking at every negative and drawing the positives. Then we're right in the middle now with a balanced yeah. mindset. Brilliant, brilliant. So, in closing, if there was a, you know... A man in his let's say let's say there's someone in there who's 16 years of age or someone who's 50 years of age someone who's 70 years of age would you say the same thing to all of them if they said they wanted to set up a business or would it be different for them what what would what would you say to them so you know someone 16 50 and someone who's like 70 years of age what would you say to them i'd say 100 all the same thing man just mm. believe believe in yourself mm. believe in yourself trust the process and understand that anything you can envision in your mind you can have in physical form brilliant brilliant that's fantastic everything that you see around you that might that you're speaking into right now mm. that side in somebody's mind right mm. yeah and then they had to create it and make it mm. and then take it to the manufacturers and now we have that podcast that you're speaking to but yeah. that side in somebody's mind the yeah. right brothers who started airplanes they were bicycle mechanics and then mm. the thought about, okay, how can we develop a piece of metal to go across the Atlantic Ocean? Everybody used to say, you're crazy, you can't do that. <laughs> but now we have airplanes and, you know, we check into airports and, you know, go, you might go IB for with the lads or wherever it is, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So your mind is a powerful thing. I don't think people understand how powerful it is. Mm. We need to stop, you know, imposing society's values on us and the programming that society does. Mm. So, um, yeah, man. So that's that would be my main key thing, man. Whatever you can envision in your mind, I promise you, with belief, the right emotion, conviction, and action, you're gonna be able to have it in physical form. 
Amazing. Thanks so much. And I just want to say I really appreciate you taking the time to to come on the podcast. It's been it's been real and I've gained a lot of value. I can't wait to listen to this back and just see what what gems you actually drop. Because sometimes when you're on the podcast, you're not taking everything in. You need a bit of time to, to go back and reflect. But um, if people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Um, if you want to get in touch with me, check me out on Instagram, um, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Mainly my, link, my Instagram, sorry, is the best place to find me. It's at Cordell underscore Jeffers, C-O-R-D-E-L-L-J-E-F-E-R-S. If anybody wants a strategy call, and I'm only doing this for the Black Pound Project, all right? Um, if you want a free strategy call with me, with my team, to help you get you closer to your goals this year, then make sure you hit me up. DM me and put Black Pound Project here. Yeah? And um, I'm going to look after you because of this amazing young man. <laughs> All right. So definitely get in touch with me like that. Um, and, you know, we'll, we will make it work for you, man. We'll make it work. So let's go. I love that, man. Guys, you better utilize. What's the usual cost of that? Just so people don't get it twisted. Listen. Yeah. You don't want to disclose, you know. Did <laughs> wow, it's a, there's usually a cost. Let's just say. Just know it's you know I'm not I'm not I'm not a, you know I'm I'm, I'm very ex- I've been in this field for now ten mm. years. Do you know what I mean? Developing my mindset. You know, I've worked with over ten thousand people. I've spoke for yeah. companies. I've got you know next week I'm doing a keynote for KPMG. Oh wow! This accounting firms in the world. I've I've spoke at Facebook. I've spoke for Tom's Shoe. You name it, I've been there. Been into, yeah. Richie, and I'm 28 years old. I've still got a long way to go, but I'm, I'm still mm. learning every day. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of value in what I can give. So yeah. I'll charge via my value and my experience. And it, but yeah, I just, don't uh, worry about yeah. that. Nobody, don't worry about that. <laughs> I'm giving you this for free right now because yeah. you're listening to this podcast and because you're connecting with CJ. So hit up me and we'll get, we'll get you moving this year. Amazing. So guys, don't miss out on that opportunity. I'm going to say... I'm going to put a, I'm going to put a time limit on it. You better get on it by the end of this year, because if you listen to this in 2022, then it's going to be too late until he does his second podcast. <laughs> so well, hopefully you come on before then, but yeah, thank you, Cordell. Um, this is Cordell Jeffers and this is CJ Webley. Thank you for joining us. Um, I'm not sure who's speaking with us next week, but there'll be an amazing speaker as I'm just doing the searches and the rounds. But thank you for tuning in. Catch you next time. Thanks, guys. Take care.